0: Okay. Welcome, everyone. This is In Conversations with Hannah. I'm Hannah Weisberg. I'm editor of thejewishwoman.org. And I'm joined today by an incredible couple. You might remember Bashi from a previous interview that we had with her, where she spoke about her journey through mental health issues, bipolar, anxiety, and depression. And her husband is here to join us today, Shua. And he's going to talk about his incredible journey through childhood abuse, addiction, and overcoming it all, and how their marriage has stayed so strong and so solid. So I was incredibly impressed by this um, inspirational couple, by their bravery, by their courage, and by the work that they've done on themselves and how that work has really expressed itself in them getting closer to each other, as well as them getting a deeper and, and stronger relationship with God. So welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. First, I want to ask any viewers who are joining us to tell us where you're coming from, to say hello to us, say hello to this amazing couple. This is again in Conversations with Hannah. I'm Hannah Weisberg, editor of thejewishwoman.org, and I'm joined by Shua and Bashi Parsek. So we have some uh, viewers joining us from all over the world. Welcome, welcome. And Shua and Bashi, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us and for your bravery and courage.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: It's, um, I guess, in with all things being equal, we would have much rather not be in the position that we are to be on this <laughs> podcast. But, you know, we don't get to choose. These type of things choose us. And, uh, and the question is, what are we going to do with it?
0: Right. And, it and you made incredible choices in your personal lives and in your relationship together so shu why don't you start we already had bashi and whoever has not seen that interview please please do yourself a favor and watch because bashi was absolutely incredible and we've had so much positive feedback about dealing with mental health issues and she bravely came forward and spoke about her journey and her recovery and now shu is coming to join us and talk about his journey so tell us a little about your journey
1: so, I think just to keep it very uh, simple and and um, and as brief as possible, I think for as long as I could remember, I've struggled with pornography addiction from a very young age, and that was something I brought into um, to our marriage, and it, you know, I think it's very important when Bashi speaks that she. Uh, and I always appreciate the way that she always focuses on her story and the and the things that that um, that the part that she played. And she doesn't talk for anyone else. Hmm. And she did mention a big part of her of her um, first hospitalization, which was my disclosing to her my addiction. And
2: actually, what was your reaction when you heard? About- um, I mean, my world fell apart. Um, like, uh, and, and I just
0: want to stop you for one sec I, Shua, I, was, I was so impressed also with Bashi like, you speak so much about your own personal journey and you leave it to, to Shua to talk about his journey and I think that the respect that both of you I mean just for the, the short interactions that I've had with you the respect that both of you have for each other and for each other's journeys and for each other's personal challenges is something for all of us to learn from it's incredible so I'm sorry, Bashi, go ahead. What was your
2: reaction? And it's so important. Even when I got guidance before sharing, you know, I was reminded, you know, you share your own part. And obviously everybody else in a very positive light because um, I had a lot of support. Um, but as far as my reaction, so at, at first, Shua had told me that he was struggling, but I didn't really know what addiction really was. So I kind of thought, okay, he, he opened up to me um, and now he's going to stop and i didn't realize how how much of a struggle it was for him that he couldn't just stop you know because even he, as much as he wanted to so then this was um fast forward about 2 years or so and i had four children we had we had four children under the age of 4 and my baby was 6 weeks and that's when all this
1: yeah all so, this came about you know not not to take away from the part of bipolar that's the you know the the um genetic and and the part that's the physical uh, biological uh, um, that that happens you know regardless of whether or not i was there but you know it's i think it's important to mention that my um, addiction played a large role in precipitating that manic episode the first one um
0: you mean bashi's bipolar, bipolar right. episode right first time that, that that caused her to be hospitalized for it right exactly yeah. So it was kind of like a trigger, you're saying?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It was I mean, a lot of- So much of... was
0: going on in your life. You just, it was must have been, would it be overwhelming for any person? And especially if you had already, uh, pr- uh, you know, predisposition to bipolar. That... And I
2: want to add, it was also the nature of the addiction. It wasn't something that we could just go to friends and go to neighbors and say, we need help. It, we really went into secret, um, getting the support we needed, whether it was, well, sure, we'll share, but either- 12-step groups or therapy, group therapy, individual therapy, couples therapy, but it was all done in hiding. So even though I had a lot of family living in town, I couldn't reach out to any of them for many, for quite a while.
1: And I think that, that hiding part was what really was the, you know, uh, portraying one image in front of everyone. And then inside there's this intense struggle. And I want to say as well, that I think it's, a credit to Chabad.org that we can have this conversation here on this platform that it's not in hiding. I think that that's, um, that's an incredible thing as well. You know,
0: I I think, I think addictions and mental health challenges have both been something that have been so it's not talked about. And that's Mm -hmm. why it was kind of for both of you, it was like a double whammy and you couldn't get the support that you needed. And, you know, openly because of the fact that everything was so hidden and that probably exasperated the situation oh, and right. the health. Wow. So what happened?
1: So, uh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to keep it general, um, we, we did a lot of work. We did a lot, of, a lot of work individually. We did a lot of work together, uh, both in the 12-step groups and in therapy. Um, individual therapy, group therapy, couples therapies. Um, you know, we we speak about how we're renting now. We're renting our home. And if if that money that we spent on therapies would have been put into a down payment, we would have owned maybe a home or two by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we invested in ourselves and our marriage and our relationship. And, you know, we don't regret any of the money that we put towards it. it, was, it it's the reason, one of the reasons, or a major reason why we're here today. Together.
2: It was an emotional investment instead of all the financial investments.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Well, it seems like it was also a spiritual journey for both of you because, Absolutely. you know, Bashi speaks about how she got closer to God in that psychiatric ward. And what about you, Shua? Can you tell us about, both of you, really, can you tell us about your connection to Judaism as a result, your connection to God as a result?
1: Yeah. So to, to answer that question, I'll just for those who maybe, um, don't know, haven't heard my story of, I've shared on other platforms before. Um, it was about three years ago, Vashi and I were, uh, Vashi was driving me to work and she was mentioning the kids were old enough to go to sleepaway camp. And when she mentioned the word sleepaway camp, I had an intense reaction. I didn't know what was happening. Um, but I had a very intense reaction. I started crying. um, Just like a a full body anxiety panic attack. Um, And I realized that something had happened in camp and the glimmer of a memory came back to me. And uh, I had been going to a very uh, skilled therapist for, um, my addiction. And this therapist is also uh, trained in trauma work, specifically EMDR, which stands for eye movement, desensitization and reprocessing. And what it does is it allows you to, it, it's uh, about connecting the right and left brains. So when you have the memory, and then you have the creativity, you're able to, in essence, go through the memory again, and relive it, but differently. Um, and I, it's incredible. Our brains are, are wonderful, wonderful things. And the fact that our brains are able to do that, and um, knowing that it doesn't actually change the event, but it changes our perception of the event. Uh, it was very healing for me. It was very helpful. Uh, so the first thing that I want to mention in terms of journey towards spirituality is.
0: Well, what, what is it that you found out? You didn't, you didn't say that you were. I
1: was right. Thank you. I was <laughs> raped as a 10 year old boy in camp.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. Um. And uh I mean, just the fact that I'm able to but, say that. I think and, that
0: that's what led you to your addiction.
1: That's yeah. That was that's a part a, of it. The Addiction was a coping mechanism wow. to help wow. me deal with. uh And I had blocked it out for 20 plus years. Wow, incredible. I compartmentalized it and put it aside and then was full-time in addiction to continually keep it compartmentalized. That was-
2: Even the fact that he could say that sentence, like if he would say the word, you know, any of those words, he would just fall apart. And you know, it took like a lot of recovery and a lot of-
1: Yeah. Um, Medication. Uh, antidepressants very helpful i want to mention that as well you know this uh there are tools and and it's important to use all the tools that are available um and part of reprocessing that event was going through my memory of it um i remember wood paneling i remember um, a desk and going through that event Mm -hmm. um and remembering it differently so Part of my remembering it differently was that, uh, in my retelling of the event, I was able to, I was able to speak to my abuser, hmm. and to say what I would have wanted to say then as a, as a child. Um. And I, you know, it's, it's uh,
0: there. There mu- I mean, both of you must have a lot of feelings of anger, you know, towards God at some point in time. You know, why did I was afflicted in this? Why was I put in this situation? Why was I given these challenges? How did you deal with that? And how did you become so much closer as a result?
1: So it's interesting because right now I don't identify with the emotion of anger. I can't, I, I can't talk for Bashi. There's a lot of, I think that our, our journey to healing had to start with acceptance and when there's acceptance, I don't have to like what I'm accepting, and I, you know, I, I, I can also wish that it was different, but I accept it, and I accept it completely. This is part of who I am.
2: So I have a very different, I'm um, a different route. No, I, I, I experienced a lot of anger. I, I, I never identified with it, with the emotion of anger, because I didn't see it portrayed in a positive way as I was growing up. Um, but when I was in therapy. They encouraged me, like, feel your feelings and let yourself, you know, listen to yourself. Like, it was all about, I mean, getting in touch with myself, which really essentially a a part of God is inside me. So it was really reconnecting with Hashem. Um, But I started experiencing anger. And being in an emotional support group, I've learned that anger is a secondary emotion. Underneath anger is always pain. There's always like, you know, but anger is like, it feels powerful and it's a good, you know, it's a way of, because admitting that I'm in pain is very vulnerable. So I did have to go that route of a lot of anger, whether it was anger towards Shua and then learning that I learned that, you know, the addiction is not the person like, you know, to, to put to, and I learned that in group therapy and it was an amazing discovery for me to be able to live with someone who struggles with addiction was separating him from his addiction but then my anger was definitely directed towards god the more i the more the more of a presence he started having in my life i started directing it towards him and that's really what led me onto this journey of like wow he's actually he exists because if i'm angry at god that means i'm admitting that he's here but and that was that was a big part for me of being able to be home close to him so how did that
0: work like how did you find a loving
2: god um i mean it took time um I know, you know, when they come into the 12 steps, you know, I want patience and I want it now. <laughs> okay. So it's really learning to uh, to that God does it in his timing. Um, I, I cursed God. And then I thought, you know, it's one of the Ten Commandments. He's going to like a fire will consume me. Like I, I know I shared in the other in the other interview and he, nothing happened. Um, you know, so I so then I really started having it out with him. And to this day, you know, my relationship with God, if we're going through something, something's difficult, I say to him, look, you created everything. So you've created this problem, this situation. So you need to please help me, like, send me some answers, send me some clarity. And he always does. He always does. He does it, you know, again, in his timing. Um, But I think it was, and I know Shua shared this sentiment as well. I think it was that when we realized that when we were like at our lowest or we, there were times when we didn't know what, what would happen next he always figured it out like we he helped us we've seen it you know time and time again whether it's yeah. in every area of our life you know finances emotional um addiction whatever it is he 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 helps us
0: yeah. what
2: what's like when you are at your lowest point
0: what idea thought prayer Hasidic, you know understanding did you have that help pull you through like I know so many people are, f- are suffering and are at lowest points, whatever their challenge might be. And as two incredible people who have gone through these challenges and who have now seen the other side, what kind of, what, what insight can you give them or what helped you in those lowest moments and what connected you in those lowest times? Yeah,
1: yeah it's interesting because I, I recently um, asked a, a, a friend of mine someone who I connect with on a very deep level that we talk uh, in in a real way about things that are going on I asked him to be my mentor mashpia uh, uh, and um and I spoke I started speaking to him about tefillin because as a result of my of my um the the, the traumatic event that I that I went through the rape and 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 uh you know I've had difficulty with tefillin and, you know, part of my journey with tefillin was talking with, with Rabbanim, with rabbis. And, and, uh, you know, I was told that having gone through a traumatic experience, I'm in the category of a chayla of a, of someone who's unwell and someone who's unwell and has that reaction when they put on tefillin is actually Uh, Patr is is, uh, exempt exempt from from the mitzvah. Um, So, you know, hearing that is very So, first of all, everyone needs to speak to their own individual rabbi. That's not a blanket statement at all. It's it's a very individual um, sort of a thing. And but hearing that is helpful in the sense that, you know, I want to know that I'm within the bounds of normative Judaism. But it's also something that sets me apart.
0: And that normative Judaism has such empathy for people that go through every situation that they go through. And it's not like a one size fits all. But Judaism really, you know, whatever your situation is, whatever your stage in life is, whatever your circumstance in life is, there's something there for you. And Judaism has that empathy for whatever challenge you've been put or struggle you're you're currently going through or you've been through in the past.
2: Absolutely
1: absolutely so it's it's very comforting you know at at at, at on one hand and then on the other hand you know i still have that feeling there's a, there's a there's part of the morning routine of being in shul, putting on fill in talking with people being part of and having this label it makes me feel apart from mm-hmm. i feel different then you know and so you know, is that my reality? Yes. At times it is. Is that something that I'm comfortable with? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started to talk about, and especially my son is becoming bar mitzvah. And it's something that, you know, I want him to have that appreciation for the mitzvah, the connection with God, the, the you know, part of the, the, the daily. Um, and so I, I'm learning, relearning the bar mitzvah mimer, the Hasidic discourse
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that every bar mitzvah boy, when they reach that age in the in the in the Chabad community, learns for their bar mitzvah. And mm-hmm. I learned it by heart, and I didn't necessarily understand what it means. Uh, but one concept that I that I understood from my from from my mashpia when I started speaking to him, this mentor, is that what part of what Tefillin does is that it, it it's kind of like a Wi-Fi booster. Mm-hmm. So when we learn Torah, we're connecting with and and adapting our vision to the to God's vision, to the way that God sees the world. And then we go out into the world and we go about our daily lives, and we lose sight of that. And so Tefillin is a booster for that way of looking at the world.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's a, that was very important for me because part of being um, being a survivor, and I, I prefer to call myself a survivor rather than a victim, right. is that I have a reaction when I learn Torah as well. You know, there's the, we learn about a loving God. And how can a loving God do such a thing? How is that even possible? So then my defenses go up. Whenever, when I hear something, my defenses go up. And so having had a rabbinical, um, you know, uh, a a label, I could give myself an out, but I don't. Mm. So I could say that because I am, uh, you know, exempt from the mitzvah, then I can avoid it and not, and not be faced with that on a regular basis, but instead I face it. And um, I feel as though the, the term chassid, when, when, when the Baal the first coined the term way back when, is people who go beyond the letter of the law.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's really what, you know, this is what the law says, am I gonna be satisfied with the law or do I want to push myself and 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 um, and make myself uncomfortable.
2: And I think that that really like put in a nutshell really describes our experience. I mean, as a couple, as individuals. being raised in a in a religious home, um, like she was saying, you know, when he learned the mimer, it was kind of memorizing and not really feeling it. And I've experienced that in my own way, too. Even though I was raised in a religious home and went to a school, I didn't really own my Judaism. And I remember my mom at one point, you know, sharing her journey. And I was thinking because she had become um, religious. And I remember thinking I, I envied her because she was telling us you know how she started experiencing shabbat and what that felt like and and me as growing up as a religious teenager i didn't have that experience of being able to choose it but in my own way god put me through my own experiences where i really could have thrown off everything i could have and again you know like i i would have been um it would have been justified you know because i was given a mental um a men, uh, like a diagnosis and and um and it was really taking it on especially through the 12 steps discovering our own god of our understanding instead of my parents understanding or everybody else's who fed religion to me it was really at different points in our life taking it on and and really experiencing it so personal and and wanting it Mm -hmm. Uh, you were asking before you know about the relationship with god and that closeness so i i wanted to share as a couple um when i was learning to be a when i was a bride and i was learning um about marriage and the the laws of purity family purity one of the things that they taught us was that um there's the ish the man and the woman the isha right that make a that make a marriage and and one um the difference between both words there's an extra there's a little yud in the in the word ish and there's that hey at the end of the word isha woman and the kala teacher the 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 teacher who was teaching me as a bride said, "You know, if you take out the yud and you take out the Hay, which really make up a part of God's name, if you take God out of the marriage, it's ash. The only letters that are left in each word are ash, fire, and it meaning a marriage cannot doesn't can't last or it can't be as beautiful as it is when God is 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 a part of it." And I learned it, but it was very theoretical. Hmm. It was a nice, you know, theoretical thought. But I can say, you know, that through our journey with the addiction and, and whatever we've gone through as a couple, I mean, what addiction does is really, I mean, in our home, what I felt, and, and I'm very visual, so I'll explain it, you know, in a visual way. I was in group therapy and I was expressing myself and that pain and I was saying, you know, I feel like there's like this fire that's gone through my home and this was with so much pain and i was crying and i said i feel like there's a fire and it's literally con- like it's burnt everything like yeah. there's all only ashes there's nothing left to my marriage nothing left and also spiritually i'm a very spiritual person and i felt like it really snuffed out all of the spirituality in our home it i mean it's just it's like that there's a book like the the white lion it just gets bigger and bigger and i felt like it was just like this smoke that just kept growing and whether it was in 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 with our private in our private affairs, or even through the home, like in every sense of the word. And there was a woman who had been in recovery a little bit longer, and she said, you know, Bashi, you're going to see that even though the home is burnt down, you're going to find, when you're rebuilding it, you find treasures. Mm. And when she said it then, I couldn't imagine. I was in such a painful place, and I'm thinking there's no treasures. There's nothing left, you know? And, 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 you know, today I can say that our marriage has is even better than it was before, you know, this journey that we've been on because, you know, there's, it's, it's like, you know, they, I know they say, um, you know, like through sickness or through health and, and, you know, marriage, like the real love and the real respect and, and really choosing each other is when we really know each other's weaknesses. But at the same time, it's not, we didn't save our marriage in any way. And I, I something I've heard from Chase Taub, he said, you know, that the arguing is human in our relationship, but the peacemaking is divine. And definitely, definitely, you know, we've seen time and time again that Hashem is the one, God is the one that's, you know, step two, restored our marriage to sanity Mm -hmm. many times over, whether it was me calling him from the hospital and saying, come visit me, when I had been pushing him away day after day, whether it was um, for myself, like re re-experiencing mikvah to to another degree, because mikvah was also a lot of trauma for me, um, given the nature of his addiction in many, many ways. I mean, I'm sure Shua can share too, like, just really having God in our marriage, like, he's the one who, you know, miracles, he performs miracles. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible.
1: I I think it's important to mention that, you know, uh, we only speak for our own experience. I know I'm in touch with a lot of survivors and a lot of Uh, couples who experienced addiction in their homes and who it did destroy their homes and people who for them divorce was the best option or people who needed to make other choices and for them it didn't work out the same way i in no way judge and this is no way in no way a a, um a blanket statement. we're simply sharing our own experience uh, and what worked for us um, you know, Bashi and I are both very visual people. We're, we're visual learners. And the way that I picture um, the growth that comes after destruction, and Chesidus talks about this, is the, the um, something from nothing, the, 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 the infinite power of God that God, God created the world. And a small example of that is the seed, When you plant a seed in the ground, it first has to disintegrate completely. Mm. And only then can a a, a bud start to grow. Um, You know, other examples of of pain that, and and in general, pain and discomfort signifies growth. Mm. Um, Another example that I've I've learned in Chassidus is birth. You know, birth is the most painful experience. Um, that, that a human being can go through. And, you know, from, from speaking to Bashi, that, you know, just when you think it's the most painful, it gets a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and probably 10 times over. And then there's a miracle of, of birth and the most beautiful spiritual experience that, that could possibly be. But it, it only comes from discomfort, pain, and, and from that comes growth. Um, and uh, the other example um, that Rabbi Torsky, Rabbi writes in one of his books, he says, if you ever look at the crab, the crab, um, when it's time for it to grow, it will get very uncomfortable and it will literally feel as though it's bursting out of its skin. And then it does. It bursts out of its skin. And only when it experiences that extreme level of discomfort and bursts out of its skin does it grow a new exoskeleton. Hmm. So that idea of pain um, leading to spiritual growth is not a, a new idea. It's it's sure. something that that uh, you know in in in, in my counseling uh, work that I do, you know, I tell. Well,
0: that's interesting as well that you changed. You know, you you become a. Uh, a therapist for addiction, right? That's right. So that's quite incredible that you took your challenge and now you are helping people with the very thing that challenged you.
1: Absolutely.
0: What, uh, like, how do you feel about that, or what made you go into that?
1: It's, um, it's interesting because as I discovered more and more about the healing field and the helping field, uh, th- there's there's talk about the wounded healer. And if you if you were to pull therapists or psychiatrists, um, many of them come from a place of pain, mm-hmm. and that pain leads them to a desire to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel that any any ability or or, or um, any any healing that I've helped people to do is a, is a direct result of of the of the the experiences that I've been through, wow. and
2: I think that, like you know, um, learning chassidus and and um, you know following the rabbi, like the rabbi was all about turning darkness into light. You know, mm-hmm. you have we have a choice, and I think that that really has been the the direction that our paths have taken as chassidim, mm-hmm. as followers of the rabbi, That you know we have a choice. You know, either wallow in it and and continue feeling that self pity and And again, you know, we can only speak with our own experience, but definitely that part is also part of the process. And there, you know, maybe we're sitting here now sounding very strong and, but we've been through a lot, a lot, a lot of pain and a lot of turmoil and, and and a lot of questioning and a lot of, I remember one time going to mikvah and I'm sharing it because, you know, it's, it's, it was something that I felt extremely alone in because it's not shared, but um, I had my support where I went to mikvah one night and, I wrote to a a, a member in this twelve step group and I wrote to her, you know, why? Why, you know, why do I need to go through this? Why can't I be like, you know, a typical, you know, young woman who goes and and does this special mitzvah? And her response was me to me was, you know, we're chosen. And 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 I, I didn't like that. You know, I don't want to be chosen. And my my prayer to God on that night was, I don't wanna be chosen. Why did you give this to me? You know, why and yes, you know, I'm human and we're human and, and there are those moments, you know, where we question and that's also part of the process. You know, I, I, I'm i adding it because for me, like being in an emotional support group with emotions and having struggled with them, you know, knowing that it's okay, those words, you know, it's okay that not every single moment I'm happy with God and, you know, we're on this really like in a relationship, there's those struggles and there's those moments where I feel at odds with, you know, and um, even with my own children, you know, we're, um with both my parents, where they've been you know not um God sent us challenges too, you know, with my mom having passed away last year and my and sure. having my children deal with that, and telling my child it's okay to be mad at God, sure you, know, you can handle it, yeah. you know so, yeah. I, so I think what you said
0: before it. is so true, like being mad at God means that you believe in God, you know it's 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 when you're apathetic and you don't really care being the feeling those intense emotions means that you believe in God and that you believe in a good God. A God mm-hmm. that wants to do good to us. And when you see something that's not, it, you start questioning and that's natural to question. So I, I think you're right. It's so important. People should realize it's not a constant, you know, you, you're, you're, you know, appearing as this couple that are so strong in your faith and so strong together. Obviously, there's moments of darkness still, I'm sure. And especially when she, when you were going through it, there was a lot of tears and a lot of difficulty yeah. But there's a light at the end, and that's what you're really here to
2: show. Yeah, and there's, you know, the premise of the 12 steps you were asking, what do you do in that, in that time of despair where it's like, what do I say? How do I connect with God? The premise of the 12 steps is step one is really I can't, and it's admitting I can't. I, I'm powerless. I've tried everything. I don't know what the next thing to do. And it's really that that brokenness of like, I can't. And then step two is saying he can realizing like there is a higher power, God can, my, you know, with my, our belief, you know, I believe that God can. And then step three is I'm going to let him. Step three mm-hmm. is the art of letting go, letting go and letting God and letting him take, support me and letting him just take me out of the depths of despair because I can't do it on my own. And in our life, it was as a couple, you know, as individuals, there were times when we were so broken that each of us had to do our own healing so that we can't, we could come together, you know, as a healthy yeah. couple. You know, a healthy marriage is two healthy individuals. Um, and when you're talking about, you know, a loving God, what comes to mind is that I had a friend who, um, her children, unfortunately, like an uncle of theirs, um, was killed in a shooting in the States, a, fr- a religious man, and the children were really hurting. And she told me that she said to her children, She said to them the same God that, you know, takes care of whatever that same loving God did that like she was trying to, you know, fuse the two, merge them. And what comes to mind is also I was teaching a high school class and we were talking about masks and and, um, you know, physical masks, but also the the other masks that we wear, you know, whether we're hiding what's really going on inside. And I told them an example. Um, We were talking about God. You know, and how can he bring, how can he do this or that? And one of the examples I gave them was that my son bought a bear costume for Purim, for the holiday of Purim. And he came home and he was so excited to put it on. So he put on this bear costume. And my daughter, who was then two, started to scream and cry and run because she was terrified of this bear. And so my son kept taking off the mask a little bit and she was able to see it was him. He said, It's still me. And then every time he put it back on, she got terrified. And that made me think of my relationship with God because God at times he's like that bear, you know, I'm, I don't understand. I, again, the God of my understanding. So there's a lot of him, I don't understand and I don't know why is he doing this. And, but then at the same time, you know, he, he unveils that mask and he has that. And I see that loving part of him at the same time. And mm-hmm. it is hard to um, accept and, and be able to trust in him when, you know, when there's misfortune or pain. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah.
1: I, I I can definitely relate to that, you know, in um, part of going through a rape, that, that type of an experience is a feeling of being impure, being defiled, being um, incapable of being a part of the community, really um, experiencing like a, a, a deep feeling of, uncleanliness mm. and part of the emdr process was that i pictured i i was able to to choose someone who could pick me up and take me out of that um that situation the rape as it was happening and for me i chose a treva mm. and so to have labava treva pick me up and hold me close to his chest and embrace me and bring me out. I guess
0: I, that's such a metaphor for the Rebbe being such a loving individual who sees
1: absolutely. the
0: merits of every person and tries to lift them yeah. up.
1: Wow. That's and incredible. so I, I experienced that in, in, a, in a deep, deep way where you're never beyond the pale. It's right. never too much. You're, you're there's, you know... Um, one of the modalities that really speaks to me as a clinician is is, is internal family systems, and um, Richard Schwartz talks about the self and the 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 the, the part of self. Um, internal family systems is is a is a modality where the same way that each member of a family has a certain role, we have parts inside of us, and each of those parts have certain roles. Mm-hmm. So there are firefighters and there are managers and there are, you know, protecting parts and there are, and there are, and then there's the self. And the self is the untouched, pure, uh, what we would refer to as a soul. Mm-hmm. It's the part that never can be defiled.
0: Wow. Part of God.
1: The, the part of God that's inside right. of us. And, um, and so that experience. I've got
0: to remember, I guess, whenever we're going through something that because we feel we often feel like we are our circumstances or we are our struggles or we are Mm -hmm. our battles and it's remembering i guess that that part is always pure and always connected and always undefiled no matter what we are going through and no matter how we react even to what we go through
1: absolutely wow absolutely our 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 reactions you know don't change the reality um, It'll the change truth, this
2: goodness that's within,
1: right? Yeah, it doesn't. It, the truth doesn't care about our feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah.
2: a, and in, and in the Torah, you know, there's the idea of katzis l'ma'ar, where it's, you know, being like the 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 purest and strongest oil is the the, the olive oil is the, the purest is when you is when it's like. You know, it's it's squeezed crushed. and it crushed and so it's really when we go through those kind of struggles, you know, where it's and that was something that helped me too, you know. It's where um, all that beauty all that all that strength, everything's gonna come out, but going through it is, you know, really, really tough. But it's yeah. but it's how we come out stronger and, and brighter and, and you know.
1: Right. Wow. There's, a, there's a quality of light that comes from darkness that light on its own just can't reach. Mm. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Um, it, you know, you you both just have gone through so much. And a lot of people would kind of just put it in their past and just forget about it, close the door on it, and lock the door and throw out the key. And yet you're so willing to share the struggles and challenges that you went through with others. Can you tell us a little about what made you decide to go public with your story and, and, and reach out to others to give them that encouragement?
1: So I guess <laughs> last time I tried to talk for both of us. <laughs> it didn't really work out. I'll talk for myself. <laughs> for me, it's very, it's very selfish. I, for, through taking a part of myself that is so full of pain and that is so that I view as being If anybody knew this about me, they'd never appreciate or talk to me or view me as part of the community. Um, And leading with that part helps me to become more integrated. The the idea of recovery is acceptance of all the parts of myself. Hmm. And so the more that I talk about it, the more that I, on Chabad.org, sharing that I'm an addict and that I'm in recovery and I... I I went through a rape, and, you know, and that's part of who I am. And there's nothing I could do to change that. The more that I share that and the more that I identify with that, the more wholesome I become.
0: I don't think that's selfish. I think that's, you know, a beautiful thing, a path, a beautiful journey towards wholeness and completeness and along the way, really helping other people, you know, because you're not just sharing it for the sake of sharing it, but you're sharing it to show that there is a path of goodness, you know, and a, a light on the other side. So that's, I think that's really beautiful. Vashi, do you
2: have a different yeah, view? I, Well, oh. I think us, no, this time I agree. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think, I think us sharing our, our story is the reason we're here today is because others have shared with us, you know, it was um and and in 12 steps it's you know all about being of service to others and i can only keep what i what i i can only keep what i've been given by giving it to others mm-hmm. so there is that idea you know of sharing and um uh, also in the 12 steps i've heard you know we do not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it and mm-hmm. that was really new to hear right because like you're saying it's much easier to shut the door and and lock the key away and don't face pain um but at the same time you know i the exact opposite because Shua was saying that the, the word fear and i've learned that the exact opposite of fear is faith mm-hmm. so i definitely powerful, yeah. yeah and i've definitely had many 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 fears whether it was sharing my story people really learning who my struggles um fear so many different fears fear of judgment fear of rejection fear of because you know the stigma of mental health and um a lot of fear and the exact opposite of fear is faith and it was you know with the guidance of my mentor and my rav and my from and a, a psychologist who was seeing me too who sees me that they you know really said to me you know it's, it's it's a good idea it's the right thing to do so it wasn't just with my own um with my own decision making um and knowing that it will help others you know i've said numerous times that if what I've been through, if whatever God has put me through can help one person, then maybe it was all worth it. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's special. That's powerful.
1: I, I definitely echo that. You know, it's, it's. I think intention is important as well when it comes to these type of things. So, you know, we're not, there's such a, a, a drive in the world for sensationalism and, and the next big thing. And, and, uh, you know, and, Judaism talks about uh, being modest and, and, you know, and that's not only in dress, it's in thought and in speech and in action. So, you know, when we can share in a way that is, um, that is honorable and is, uh, you know, we're not hanging out all our dirty laundry and we're not sharing everything, you know, we have um, that idea in mind. The, the intention is in order to be helpful to others. The intention is in order to to bring people closer to, to themselves, which is in essence bring them closer to God. We all ha- are, are a part of God. So we need to become closer to ourselves, and that brings us closer to God. So when we keep our goal in mind, the, the, um, the, the side effects take care of themselves.
2: Absolutely. That's beautiful. And I want to add also that there's a lot of shame when it comes to sharing, you know, these kind of struggles or whatever, any type of struggle, really. Um, and the, the one letter off of shame is share. When you, sorry, sharing is, there's one letter off of shame. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, sharing in a supportive environment and not necessarily sharing with anyone. And like Shua said, not hanging out all dirty, dirty laundry. But for me, you know, that that courage to share Came from being able to share within my support groups. You know, obviously, I wasn't sharing like this at the beginning, sure. but it became something that bigger than myself. And it kind of, you know, we all are brought into this world for a, a purpose and a mission. And in a way, me being able to share um, kind of took on a life of its own because, um, in in nature, I'd rather you know be in the background. Um, and and not be in the spotlight and not you know be but but at the same time you know what we're not living for ourselves and and I'm living for a higher purpose and yeah. to be able to make this world a better place beautiful beautiful can you share just one last thought about
0: how to? you both are like I, I started at the beginning you're both so respectful to one another and so accepting of one another can you share in a marriage to married couples something that you do in your own lives that increases this respect or is it just something that's inborn with both of you um it just it just strikes strikes me that you're both so aware of each other's needs and respectful of them
1: yeah. it's a great question <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad we uh, answering first because yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I guess um you know part of the journey towards healing for us as a couple was um you know there's the idea of this pedestal where you know in an unhealthy relationship one member one spouse is higher than the other mm-hmm. there's there's not an equality and there's not a, a recognition of the roles that that we each play um and i think a big part of healing is is accepting each other for who we are, with our warts and our weaknesses and the whole nine yards. Um, recognizing what uh, we bring to the marriage, and and you know, being there for each other in the parts that are that are um, that we're less strong in. Um, and and I think it's also very important that we each work on ourselves. We can only come together as a couple when we're healthy individually.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I think uh, you know the the principle of anonymity in the in the twelve steps is so important um, because anonymity, the way that we understand it, usually means that. People don't know who we are. Uh, And in the 12 steps, you have neighbors, you have siblings, you have parents and children that come together to meetings. And the principle of anonymity still stands. So the principle of anonymity is that we're coming together on the basis of a shared problem. Hmm. We have a shared goal in mind. Hmm. So, you know, us sharing is part of that. And as a coupleship. it's part of a shared goal we have a common goal
2: yeah i can add um so you know i when i was in the hospital and i had just um finally been stabilized with medication and i'd come through with my manic episode um i i said to my doctor i said i'm so sorry for what i put you through Mm -hmm. and he smiled at me and he said it's not you it's your illness and it was one of the sweetest things that someone said to me you know and it to this day you know it, it it's I, I I keep it. I, it's, it stays with me. But at the you know, like I said before, just being able to separate a, the person from the addiction, whether it's or the person from an illness. And for me, that was a really really strong part of my healing with Shua, where I was able to see him because I married him for many reasons, you know, and 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 for so much good that I saw in him, and so much good that he has in him, and you know, being able to learn how to separate that, even though maybe you know, he was still struggling or whatever was going on. He was still that man who I married who, so th- that's a big message that helped me. because wow. um, I know, you know, sometimes it gets ugly and dirty and it's not, it doesn't seem like, you know, why Why am I with this person? I, I thought I married them first. So that's something that really helped me. And also that idea. That's
0: also at the core of like all our relationships. So that's mm-hmm. such an important concept where you just look at the person, not for all those negative things that we attribute to them. Like there's, you know, they're, problems or their symptoms or their addictions or whatever it is, but we see down to the core, which is the godly soul, which is so beautiful and pure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And there's also, you know, on that note, you know, God being in our marriage, um, I've heard something so powerful, you know, sometimes it's complaining, he's not doing this and he's not doing that. And then he, I'm referring to the husband or the husband's doing it to the wife and vice versa. And, and she, you know, and someone once said, replace the he by God, like Mm -hmm. all that complaining give it to him like Mm. god is not doing because when you bring god in there's hope there's strength there's 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 hope and and there's there are miracles you know the 12 steps itself they say you know all these other programs out there therapy and our self-help self-help groups and this is a a god um, god help yeah it's a god help program it's not a self-help program where i can fix myself fix my marriage it's all about god being able to perform those miracles
1: it's interesting. Right. I heard I heard um there was a, a grandmother was once telling her someone was telling over what his grandmother said when they were kids and they were fighting. And he said, You're not fighting against each other. You are both fighting against the problem. Hmm.
2: Wow, that's powerful. And that's doing it as a couple instead of yeah. yeah right. And you know, I I just thought another another thought as well that um, I remember feeling over and over again that, that, again that fear of how do I know that his addiction will never come back? How do I know that he'll stay sober? How do I know, you know, and especially the nature of his addiction, you know, as a woman, it, it was, you know, very, very destructive. Um, and I remember thinking that over and over again. And then as the more meetings I attended and the more help I, I received, I learned, you know, that I'll never know. And I just need to let God, you know, one day at a time, Like just for today. I pray and I ask God, please, you know, keep our marriage um, healthy and pure and and spiritual and whatever God, the blessings that he gives us. And there was a point when um, Shua asked me the same question after yeah. we had been through a, 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 a lot of trauma based on my um, or due to my manic episode and what, what we went through. And he had said to me, how do we know this will never happen again? Mm-hmm. And I felt like this this um, tightening in my chest, like I felt so much of a burden. How can I prove to my husband and my family and everyone who had seen me go through it that I'd never do it again? And then I realized that's the same question I asked him.
1: Yeah. And, well, and her response has been so helpful to me, you know, uh, understanding that it's the same, it's the same way. and, and uh, Right.
2: I don't know. I don't know yeah. what the future will bring. We don't, none of us know. None of us know. But, know. Right. It's being in this moment and, um, you know, that an attitude of gratitude. So I can definitely focus on what's not working and what we don't have and what he can, you know, what, what more he could, whatever I can go down that road. And it's, that's a choice, you know, that like there's powerlessness in the 12 steps, but there are, there are things that I do have power over. And that's my perspective and my attitude and, and, and trying to look for the good instead of looking at everything that's not going right. Right, That's also a, a big ingredient.
0: Absolutely. Beautiful. You mentioned before the H, the power of fire destroying the relationship, but there's also the Yud and the Hay, the God in the relationship. And it looks like both of you have found that godliness in your relationship in such a beautiful way and in your personal lives. Thank you so much for joining us at Shua and Bashi Naparstek
1: on their journey
0: of, through so much, through addiction, abuse, childhood abuse, uh, you know, emotional, mental health issues, and really staying so strong as a couple and finding God in their relationship and helping them through their challenges. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for your courage.
1: Thanks for thank having you. us. Thanks for the opportunity.